California law. Speaking of California, many consider the state to be a linchpin in the national labor and employment law scene. Not only do many multi-state operations have locations in the Golden State, but it often serves as an experimental laboratory where workplace initiatives are first rolled out before spreading across the country. The last decade saw California play a critical role in the national debate, and perhaps no one is better positioned to reflect on those developments than Ben Ebbink. Now a partner in the firm's Sacramento office, Ben was chief consultant for the California State Assembly Committee on Labor and Employment for over 14 years, including most of the 2010s. In that role, he was the primary policy consultant for the state legislature on labor and employment matters, working to draft, develop, negotiate, and analyze all workplace legislation. Over the last decade, Ebbing says, California continued to lead the nation in pushing the envelope when it comes to labor and employment law and policy. Reflecting on just some of the developments that started in California or its local jurisdictions in the 2010s and then spread across the nation, Ebbing cites issues such as sick leave, paid family leave, ban the box restrictions, and the use of criminal history information in hiring. The use of salary information, predictable scheduling, lactation accommodation, and LGTBQ workplace protections. The past decade also witnessed legal developments that deepen the divide between California and federal law. According to Ebbing, California continued to range much further than the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA, when it comes to overtime compensation, flat sum bonuses, de minimis pay, meal and rest periods, and other wage and hour matters. And of course, California ended the decade with a bang, Ebbing says. The last two years saw a wholesale rewriting of the rules around classifying workers as independent contractors or employees, first through the landmark Dynamex decision by the California Supreme Court, and most recently through the codification of the ABC test through AB5. We're already seeing other states line up to follow California's example when it comes to misclassification legislation, Ebbing says. So don't be surprised if we see them proliferate across the country in the coming decade. Employee benefits. By far the biggest development in employee benefits law since 2010 is the enactment of the Affordable Care Act, says Sheldon Blumming, chair of the firm's employee benefits practice group. Beyond all the compliance obligations it created, we also had to monitor all of the related litigation, federal and state regulatory activity, and federal and state legislative activity that followed its passage. Blumming notes that many people predicted that the ACA would not survive the decade, and it certainly has been scaled back in some significant ways. However, all the key aspects of the ACA that impact employers, including the employer play-or-pay mandate, the various taxes, fees, and reporting requirements that impact employers, and the significant changes to the group health insurance market, have survived the decade, and appear poised to continue indefinitely. Even the individual play-to-pay mandate, which was essentially eliminated by the Federal Tax Reform Act, is making a comeback at the state level in various places throughout the country, he says. Another significant development in employee benefits law this past decade was the legalization of same-sex marriage. Prior to the 2010s, employers were faced with a patchwork of different legal requirements related to making employee benefits available to employees' same-sex partners as different states address the issues in varying manners, recalls Blumming. But when same-sex marriage was finally legalized at both the federal and state levels in 2015, both employers and employees were able to find some certainty and consistency in the scope of spousal employee benefits. 
Besides those two significant developments, there are a few other themes in the employee benefits legal developments over the past decade. While the long-time transition of retirement benefits to an account-based slash defined contribution model has continued over the past few decades, we saw an acceleration of this transition with respect to health and welfare benefits in the 2010s, says Blumming. More and more employers switched to high-deductible health plans and health savings accounts, HSAs, to combat skyrocketing health care costs. In addition, employers are continuing to push the envelope with wellness programs, in many cases as a way to help combat skyrocketing health care costs. In response, federal and state regulators, as well as courts, are having to balance sometimes dueling policy and legal issues. They are trying to walk the tightrope of allowing employers to incentive wellness activities and healthy lifestyles, while at the same time protecting the privacy and free choice of individuals, says Blumming. Last but not least, the end of the decade has seen a significant uptick in new state laws attempting to regulate employee benefits. With ERISA preemption, historically, most employee benefits law was found at the federal, as opposed to state level. However, as the states continue to push state-run retirement plans and health insurance market reforms to fill in gaps left by the ACA, says Blumming, we expect the next decade will feature increased tensions between federal and state regulation of employee benefits which will be sure to keep employers on their toes. Supreme Court. We'll end our retrospective at the highest court in the land. The U.S. Supreme Court has been remarkably stable for the past decade. Seven of the nine justices have been on the bench since at least 2010, and that has led to a predictable series of wins for employers for the past 10 years. The three areas that have seen consistent employer victories at the Supreme Court in the 2010s are arbitration, wage and hour, and labor law, says Rich Menighello, who heads the firm's Supreme Court Alert Service and ensures publication of same-day summary of all workplace law decisions. The court has issued no fewer than eight significant decisions since 2010 that have preserved employers' power to enforce valid arbitration agreements. The decade got off with a bang in 2011's AT&T Mobility v. Conception case, which struck down a California law conflicting with Federal Arbitration Act, says Menighello. It ended in spectacular fashion with 2018's Epic Systems Trilogy, ruling that class action waivers and employment arbitration agreements are enforceable under the FAA. In between, there were a string of other rulings upholding the popular alternative dispute resolution procedure which have led most employers to establish some form of arbitration with their workforces. When it comes to the Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA, the court pumped out at least four positive decisions helpful for employers. In 2012, the SCOTUS ruled that pharmaceutical sales reps were exempt from overtime pay under the outside salesman exemption, and in 2018 ruled in a similar fashion when it comes to service advisors at auto dealerships. In 2014, it said that the time employers spend donning and doffing certain protective gear is not compensable and neither was the time spent waiting for and participating in mandatory security screenings at the end of shifts. And while there were a series of victories in the labor law arena all through the decade, they were all leading up to the big one, says Menighello. In a 5-4 decision on the final day of the 2017-2018 term, The court ruled in Janus v. AFSCME that the First Amendment prohibits public sector entities from collecting fees from non-union members. The decision was not only a significant blow to public sector labor organizations across the country which rely on these fair share fee arrangements as a significant source of revenue, but will continue to have an impact 
far beyond public employers and well into the next decade, says Menegello. By severely weakening the ability of public sector unions to raise funds, our traditional labor practitioners believe this decision could be the beginning of the end when it comes to the sustained pressure felt by employers caused by union-sponsored legislation. Conclusion You don't have to wait until 2030 to stay up to speed on all of the developments sure to take place in the new decade. If you're subscribed to Fisher Phillips Alert System, you'll gather the most up-to-date information as it occurs. If you have questions about any of the developments discussed in this summary, feel free to contact your Fisher Phillips attorney or any of the attorneys who contributed to our review. 